Welcome to the first episode of the Chicago Hamburg 30 podcast, sponsored by the American Centrum in Hamburg. I'm Andrew Sola, the host and producer of this 30-episode series on all things Chicago and the connections between Hamburg and Chicago. I was actually born and raised in Chicago, but I now live in Hamburg. So for me, this series is a way to look at both my birth home and also my adoptive home with fresh eyes. And I hope it gives all of you new ways of looking at these two great cities. Hamburg and Chicago became sister cities in 1994, so 2024 marks our 30th anniversary. But the roots of the relationship are much older. Many of the first immigrants to arrive in Chicago in the 1830s were ethnic Germans, and their point of departure was often the port of Hamburg. As Chicago grew, more Germans came, and the German community formed the backbone of a booming metropolis that grew rapidly from its founding in 1833, when there were only 200 residents, to 1910, when there were over 2 million Chicagoans. This was a population boom unique in world history. In fact, it was the fastest growing city on the planet. Even after Germans stopped migrating to Chicago in large numbers, the subsequent waves of immigrants from Eastern Europe first boarded the steamliners to the U.S. where? In the great port city of Hamburg. So Germans were instrumental in building the city of Chicago. And only occasionally did they try to burn it down. You might remember the events of 1855, when the Germans marched on City Hall to protest a new law that closed saloons on Sundays. The march led to the famous Lagerbier riot. There was violence. People were injured. One man was shot and killed, but the protesters were victorious. City Hall was forced to back down, the no-fun mayor, Levy Boone, lost his job, and the saloons remained open. So this is our first important history lesson for the people of Chicago. If you enjoy drinking beer and watching the Bears, the Blackhawks, or the Bulls in your local dive on Sunday afternoons, thank the German immigrants who fought for your right to party way back in 1855. For this podcast series, we have chosen an elite group of historians, journalists, artists, and scholars from Chicago and around the world to achieve three major goals. The first is to introduce you to the complex history of Chicago. But we should not forget that Chicago sits on land that first belonged to the native people of the region. In fact, it is impossible to understand Chicago without first looking at the city in the context of Native American history. So the next two episodes are about the indigenous people of Chicagoland, including the Potawatomi, the Ojibwe, and the real Sauk chief, Blackhawk. Afterwards, we will look at Chicago in the context of modern United States history. Both Hamburg and Chicago are diverse cities, immigrant cities, international cities, 
So the second goal of this series is to introduce you to the people who have built Chicago. And you can look forward to episodes on German Chicago, Slavic Chicago, Jewish Chicago, queer Chicago, black Chicago, women's Chicago, and many more. Lastly, we know that Chicago is a great city for the arts. And the third goal of the series is to introduce you to great Chicago writers, such as the German-American novelist Theodore Dreiser. And of course, we can't forget the music. We will be sharing some extremely rare recordings of great Chicago jazz artists later in the year, so stay tuned. A project like this cannot be realized without the support of a large number of people and organizations. Many thanks to Laura Langford and Zara Altman at the American Centrum and Ole Werner at the Zanatskanzlei in Hamburg. My personal thanks go to the dozens of experts who will share their extensive knowledge about Chicago and Hamburg with you and me. Also, many thanks to the German Foreign Ministry and the U.S. State Department, who have shown a steadfast commitment to the transatlantic friendship over many, many years. And today for our first episode, I'm delighted to have two distinguished guests, one from the German Foreign Ministry and one from the U.S. State Department. First, we have a very recent German immigrant to Chicago. He just arrived in August of 2023 the German Consul General in Chicago, Michel Ahrens. Vielen Dank. Thank you very much. And also with me is the United States Consul General in Hamburg, Jason Chu. Welcome, Mr. Chu. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So, gentlemen, why don't we start by some personal introductions? Uh, Michel Ahrens, let's start with you, please. Yes, hi. My name is Michael Ahrens, and I came to Chicago, like uh, Andy said, quite recently in August 2023, and uh, have but having lived in the U.S. before, the last four years before that in Washington, D.C., and I moved to Chicago with my family, so we are a total of six people, three kids, my husband and, uh, and a nanny, and uh, this is quite a move, and uh, Chicago has been a very welcoming uh, place for us, uh, even if we're still in transitional housing. So uh, it was a great time to arrive in Chicago in August when uh, the weather is beautiful, uh, the lake is welcoming you, and we have a wonderful place overlooking the lake as a temporary house. So I'm very happy to be in Chicago, and uh, in the introduction I already learned some more things about Chicago, so, so make sure to follow the podcast about all things Chicago. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Jason Chu, how about you? Yes, well, I've been here in Hamburg as the U.S. Consul General for Northern Germany since July 2022. I've been a career foreign service officer representing the U.S. abroad since 2005, and I've served in Venezuela, Cyprus, Taiwan, Portugal, Washington, D.C. at the State Department, and now Hamburg. It's the assignment of my dreams, I took German in college as part of my studies in linguistics. It's um, wonderful to be here. I am here with my dog, a four-year-old Shiba Inu, and we really enjoy walking around uh, Lake Alster and taking in all of the beautiful sights here in Hamburg. Fantastic. So uh, my first question maybe is, why did uh, both of you choose to become diplomats of all of the things you could choose to be? What... Uh, made you choose to decide to become diplomats? Michel? Maybe some romantic notion of uh, traveling the world, learning new languages, meeting new people, and 
In the German system, sometimes you can uh, already join the foreign service quite early. So I joined right out of high school and I was only 19. Uh, so maybe you don't have the complete picture of what this really entails to move around the world all of your life. And uh, maybe you have less of the lofty uh, uh, international policy aspirations that you have uh, after universities. For me, it was really uh, the love of foreign languages and uh, foreign countries and That's how I started, and then I never regretted it since. That's great. And what part of Germany are you from? I'm from the north, the west. So uh, close to Hanover is my hometown, uh, but it's already in North Rhine-Westphalia, for those of you who are uh, more familiar with the uh, German, uh, the setup of Germany. So just a couple hours south of Hamburg, I think we should mention for both of you that you do not just represent the cities of Hamburg and Chicago you actually represent much larger regions. Um, but before we go to that, Jason, uh, where were you born and raised in the States? Yeah, I was born and raised in New York City. Both of my parents were immigrants from Shanghai. Um, they met in Brooklyn and settled down and had my brother and myself. So we are really living the American immigrant experience. Yeah, and you asked why I, we became diplomats. I did not have as clear a direction as Mikhail a university undergraduate, I just studied things that I thought were interesting. So my major was psychology. Then I had concentrations in linguistics and theater, drama. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went straight to law school, buy some time, do something respectable. And then I graduated with a mountain of debt. And I went working for a law firm, which is you know, a wonderful professional career, good salary. But my second day in the office as a professional attorney, I worked there during the summers during law school, was September 11th, 2001. And to say that that was a life-altering experience would be an understatement. I think myself and a lot of my colleagues did some soul-searching as a result of 9-11 and asked ourselves, you know, if you died in this building, in this skyscraper, would you have lived your best life? And I asked myself that question and the answer was truly no. You know, I loved being a lawyer. I loved the intellectual rigor of law and litigation, uh, but I wanted to do something where we were building bridges and increasing international peace and understanding. So I was looking for different jobs. Some of them were legal, um, but I also took the foreign service exam on a LARC, never planned for it, never studied international law or diplomacy, either in law school or undergrad. And when I passed the exam, fortunately, and decided, hey, I'll give it a try. If I don't like it, I can always run back to the law. And that was 2005. I've not looking back. I really love my career uh, up till now, 18 years. And uh, in some way, I apply everything I formerly studied, law, linguistics, theater, psychology. So in hindsight, it's a perfect fit. Thank you. Do you just want to talk about the, the scope of your responsibility? As I mentioned, you're not just representing these cities, but you also represent this wide regions. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, so I think my jurisdiction is the biggest of any of the German consulates in the U.S. Uh, I cover the whole Midwest, uh, 13 states, and, uh, and I cover a lot of a uh, variety of different topics. So, of course, the consulate is here for consular affairs, but we have a lot of colleagues are working on that. I concentrate on economic and trade issues and uh, cultural language, but also uh, domestic policy also in the run-up of next year's elections. And I've had the chance in the first three months to travel to Iowa twice already, uh, to Ohio, to Michigan. Fun. And I'm um, still uh, bound to go to Indianapolis and Minneapolis still this year. So 
that's what I, I like. I want to like to learn more about my region and also, uh, I mean, Chicago is a great city, but not probably representative of the Midwest and the people in the Midwest. So it's a great opportunity to really meet uh, after having lived on the coasts and in Washington, D.C. to uh, really meet the heartland of the U.S. and meet its people. And in fact, many Germans did spread out. Maybe they came to Chicago first when they immigrated, but many were, in fact, farmers. So then they spread out further mm. to a variety of regions. And there are massive German communities, as you yes. know, throughout the Midwest. Yes, Wisconsin uh, has many, and then also even Iowa, the Dakotas, uh, and uh, Missouri. So definitely, especially in Minneapolis, I'm also going to a school which still up to now to eighth grade uh, teaches in German language. It's great. It's not only heritage learners, but also people who are interested, have an interest in, in German language. Jason, do you want to talk a little bit about your enormous region in, in Germany that you represent? Yeah, well, very similar to Michael, we uh, represent much wider wider region than Hamburg. We uh, manage U.S. relations with the five northern states of Germany of the 16 Bundesländer. So that includes Hamburg, Bremen, Niedersachsen, Lower Saxony, Schleswig-Holstein, and Mecklenburg-Vorpommern, Mecklenburg-Western Pomerania. It's about the size of Austria. It's a very large region, the entire coastline. So I, too, like traveling throughout the region. I've been you know, all the way to Rostock, Schwerin, Penemunda, Hanover, Kiel, Göttingen, certainly Bremerhaven, you name it. Uh, in the span of a year and three months, I'd say, I've traveled to all reaches of the region, on the border of Poland and the border of uh, the Netherlands. So it's a very large area, but also such a privilege to be able to see so many German communities here and deepen our connections. So uh, speaking of uh, deepening connections, I just want to ask you about your first impressions. So your first impressions of Chicago and Hamburg. And I think, Michelle, you had been in Chicago as a tourist first. So do you remember your impressions of Chicago the first time you landed before you were here professionally as the consul general? My tourist travel uh, is way past, uh, probably like 30 years before I actually arrived now. But definitely what left uh, the biggest impression uh, on me is uh, the architecture of Chicago. And uh, I did this architectural boat ride which is still very popular and great. And there have been some amazing new additions to the skyline of Chicago. And uh, also Chicagoans are celebrating their architecture. There's the architectural Biennale just coming up. So this is something that definitely left a big impression on me. And also, I definitely had a deep dish pizza at that time. Uh, and there was a good. time when actually in Germany, in Bonn, where I was living at that time, deep dish pizza were just making like a a splash in the scene. So there was a Chicago pizza pie factory that opened in Bonn. I think it's a chain that's no longer existing. So I was really excited having the original uh, pie in, in Chicago. Well, you brought up food, Michael. So I have to ask <laughs> you, do you put ketchup on hot dogs? Uh, no. Okay, thank you. You are already an honorary <laughs> Chicagoan. Good for you. Uh, Jason, had you been to Hamburg before... You first arrived professionally? I had not been to Hamburg. I'd only been to Berlin and Munich as a tourist, yeah. So why don't you s describe your first impressions of the city, your first couple of weeks in Hamburg? Yeah, you know, I was um, really struck by the similarities to 
cities in the United States like New York and Chicago. So my first view outside of our office here in the Hafen city is König de Leuven. It's a <laughs> right next to Ice Königin, the Broadway shows brought to you by Disney of The Lion King and Frozen. And I was like, oh my goodness, I moved to Germany. I'm here in Hamburg and I'm looking at Broadway musical theaters. Being from New York City myself, I felt very much at home. But certainly with the aspects of the water, you know, when I look at the Hamburger Hafen, the port here, thinking what made this city grow, what made this region, the Hanseatic League, gain this international power and strength, it uh, was really striking to me. In my office, for example, I have a portrait of a ship that was here before I arrived. It says New York, it says Hamburg, and it's from Hapagloid. The traditions of transatlantic travel, whether it's shipping goods or people who wanted to get to the United States, I feel very humbled to be part of a centuries-long story there. And I look at this image every day of the front of a large ship, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's part of the story that I am here, present, continuing in 2023. I was also struck by the diversity of Hamburg, walking around the different neighborhoods, seeing the large communities, the Portuguese quarter, the Turkish areas of Harburg. It really reminded me of parts of Chicago where we have like Greek town, Chinatown, the Polish town, cities that are enhanced by diverse communities of immigrants from many generations. Thank you so much. I think the people of Chicago and Hamburg actually only have one really important question for both of you, now that you've given your introductions and first impressions. Uh, Michael, as you know, Chicago has two great baseball teams, the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox. So if you had to choose, which game would you go to, White Sox or Cubs? Uh, Cubs. Oh dear, you failed the diplomatic test. You've alienated half of Chicago. <laughs> you were certainly joking there. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going to let Jason off the hook. Um, Hamburg has two famous football teams or soccer teams, Hamburg SV and St. Pauli. So Jason, Hamburg or St. Pauli? Well, I have yet to see a professional football game here in Hamburg, so I would love to go to a match of HSV against St. Pauli and enjoy both of them at the same time. Great. Thank you. I'm happy to alienate uh, half of my audience. I'm definitely a St. Pauli <laughs> fan and a White Sox fan. So sorry, everyone. <laughs> Anyway, both cities are great sports cities, they're great immigrant cities, they're great diverse cities, and even though the port of Chicago is no longer one of the busiest ports in the world, Hamburg still remains a great port city, and Hamburg has this wonderful international feel to it, as does Chicago, even though the port of Chicago is not quite the, the global port that it once was. But I, I just want to move on to the specifically the Chicago-Hamburg sister city relationship. Many different cities in the U.S. and Germany have, have a sister city partnership. What do you think is most important about the Chicago-Hamburg partnership? Uh, Michelle, can mm -hmm. we start with you? I think the people-to-people -people exchange is the most important of the partnership. And that's actually how, I mean, Chicago has a lot of uh, city sisterships and also Hamburg. And that's how you can tell if, if something's really working well. So it has to be really the civic engagement and the people uh, engagement. And that's especially true on the 
Chicago side as uh, in Germany often you have like some public funding for these kind of partnerships but here uh, it's really coming down to the people in the working with the uh, global business Chicago and spending a lot of their private time in fundraising and uh, making things work and uh, it's a great example just had a group of the soccer youth from Hamburg here and I think they're also staying at some uh, families so they get the whole experience while they're here so uh, definitely without this and without the engagement from people in the both cities the partnership will only exist on paper so I think it cannot be also directed from a upper level or from a political level that these cities have to be uh, like friends but it has to come from the people Jason? Yeah, I completely agree. I think what makes the Hamburg-Chicago sister city relationship so powerful and with such a longevity is the fact that it's driven by these people-to-people -people relationships and not by the government. So, you know, by the flip side, these engagements are supported by the government will, you know, with the city of Hamburg, the U.S. consulate will go to these events and uh, meet with participants and celebrate them. But the organization, the funding, Just as Michael mentioned, having host families, having organizations open up their doors and drive these exchanges, that is what makes it unique. I've seen sister city partnerships throughout my career, 18 years in diplomacy, and many of them fail because they don't have that people-to-people -people drive, that, that kernel of enthusiasm that makes the relationship work. And Hamburg and Chicago definitely do have that. I've met the organizers here in Hamburg, they've really made this a successful relationship. Thank you. So we have on one level the Hamburg-Chicago sister city relationship, but if we move up a level, could you talk a little bit about your jobs and the importance of the transatlantic relationship now from a government to government level? Uh, Michel? Looking at the really political level of the transatlantic relationship, uh, the consulates have a maybe important but limited part to it because then this is often done from capital to capital. And Ambassador Michaelis, who has just uh, taken up his position, as I mentioned, I was posted to Washington DC before, they take the, the most important role in this. And I think just like, like really difficult times uh, these last years with the Russian war of aggression in Ukraine, the Hamas attack on Israel. So I feel that the transatlantic relationship uh, and the transatlantic unity, despite really difficult circumstances, in a very good place. It's uh, it's rock solid. Uh, we had like really a uh, wake-up call also uh, when it comes to uh, uh, what is like uh, hard security mean and uh, what does Germany have to do also to be able to fulfill its NATO commitments and defend itself. So think if you look really at this perspective of transatlantic relationships, then we're at a good place and uh, it's, it's difficult times, but uh, it's important to be, to be united. And uh, when you break it down more to, uh, to the regions, uh, I feel a lot of the transatlantic relationship here is about trade and commerce. So, uh, of course, also very important. Chicago has, uh, is the city where uh, most German subsidiaries or subsidiaries of German-based companies are based, uh, headquartered. Chicago 1, Detroit 2, and New York 3. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily think that uh, if you don't look in detail into it. And definitely, like, if you have a good basis for trans transatlantic relationship on a political level, you have to, it has to be underfed also by good economic relations, people to people relations, cultural relations. These are all very important. And 
These are important tasks of the consulate, but as you mentioned, the broader picture, the transatlantic relationship, I also wanted to mention the, the political side of it. Jason? Yeah, I look outside of my window here at my office in the Hafen City, and I see the St. Nikolai. The St. Nikolai, for those who don't know Hamburg, is a bombed-out cathedral that's been preserved as a memorial, a monmal, to the horrors of World War II. During that war, Germany and the United States were on the opposite sides, and we were enemies in perhaps the worst war that the world has ever seen. And fast forward, and the United States and Germany are closer than ever, and we're standing on the same side of defending human rights and democracy, of defending the international order as Russia has this brutal war of aggression against Ukraine, and standing up for principles like the defense of Israel's security. It's amazing that we've made so much progress in a relatively short amount of time, but I think it underscores that the transatlantic relationship is based on shared values, shared values that are more important than ever as we see these crises around the world. And I think consulates and subnational diplomacy below the federal level is extremely important because we're the ones who go out and meet with local leaders, local communities, students, business leaders, and socialize that concept of the importance of transatlantic relations, the importance of shared values and democracy, because there's an alternative out there. When we look at authoritarian regimes, whether that is Putin's Russia or Xi's China, the United States and our Western allies and our NATO partners stand in strong contrast to what could be an alternative vision for the world. Michelle, did you want to add something to that? Definitely. I mean, every year we have the Day of German Unity celebration here, and it's always great to really celebrate Day of German Unity in the U.S. because without the United States, also Germany would not have been reunited because, I mean, despite, like Jason said, we were enemies in, in World War II, and then the U.S. take the decision to also help to rebuild Germany with a Marshall Plan, and then after the fall of the Berlin Wall to the question on reunification. I think it was the US who also convinced some of the other allies who might have been more reluctant to have a reunited Germany. So I think everything we have, we also uh, owe it to the US. So it's great to see that also hopefully we can pay back some of what the US has shown us and also help to uh, contribute to other conflicts uh, to once they've been resolved to also rebuild trust and relationships between these countries. Thank you. I'm always struck that oftentimes if you talk to the man on the street, when they think of nation-to-nation -nation relations, they often think about high-level things like security relationships or treaty alliances, or indeed on another level, the trade or economic relationships. But I just wanted to move into a third level of the relationship, which you both have touched on already, values. And I do want to focus on it because I am a humanities professor. So when I look at international relations, of course, trade and defense are important. But unless you have some fertile ground to establish those values, you kind of never achieve that because people at the end of the day are making decisions and we want them to be people who have strong values. So um, Jason, how about we start with you on this question? What do you think about the importance of educational exchange and cultural exchange for the transatlantic relationship? I do believe they are the bedrock of the relationship. People to people, 
ties are not, you know, this high level concept of only politics or economics, student exchanges, that's where people gain new ideas. No country has a monopoly on good ideas. And when these young people from the United States, from Chicago and Hamburg, cross the Atlantic and live with a host family, learn the language, see different viewpoints, see how people recycle differently, see how people <laughs> drive differently, see what kind of foods are different. It really is opening the mind and you know, hammering home how we're so similar and sometimes so different. I had a wonderful experience uh, this past year where Chicago sent um, Noah Kim, a young piano prodigy, here to Hamburg, and he had a wonderful reception at Hamburg City Hall, thanks to First Mayor Chencher and his team. And um, he got to share his gift of music with local communities and play with local pianists here in Hamburg. And I, I know that they're going to plan a similar reciprocal exchange during this 30th anniversary year and bring some piano prodigies from Hamburg to Chicago. And I think seeing that really passionate music shared with like-minded friends across the Atlantic that really hammered home to me the power of exchange and the importance of cultural diplomacy to make our relationship even stronger. I was just thinking the music example is great. How sad would the world be if we could only listen to or play music that came from our own country? What a, what yeah, a boring if you, place. If you could be in that room, it was really moving just to hear everyone was talking. Then all of a sudden, this young pianist starts and you could hear a pin drop as he just his fingers danced across the keyboard to rousing applause at the end. It was really wonderful to be a witness to that. Michel, do you want to talk about the importance of educational and cultural exchange, please? Yes, yes. I couldn't agree more with Jason. And music is a good example, not only in the relationship between Chicago and Hamburg, but we're always in a lucky position also to, to draw up on some uh, famous German orchestras coming commercially to Chicago and then use that to also highlight the importance of, of cultural relations between uh, Germany and uh, and Chicago. And I hear also next year, maybe for the 30-year uh, anniversary, the NAR Big Band is going to come to Chicago. So that will be, I think, also a great opportunity then, not only for them to have a concert, but also to go to schools and universities and maybe have some classes with local uh, musicians. So that will be definitely a, a great, great event. And education overall, e educational exchanges, I feel probably there cannot be enough. So I feel there's like also something we have to pay renewed attention to. Then also, I mean, the demographic of both of our countries are, uh, are changing and maybe the traditional people who look to over the Atlantic, there's like more people who look maybe more to the South with the Latino community or other uh, communities who have not been really so exposed to uh, Europe. So we have to work that also we, for the new generation, we have like programs that are open and where kids are, are willing to go during school. And it's also getting harder and harder sometimes to find host family because I think people are a little bit scared of responsibilities. And uh, so we have to really explain to people what's the value in these exchange programs. And and if you have exchange programs, I mean, it's starting at school level, but even after that, we have this Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange Program, which is a great uh, German-U.S. exchange program, but also some of the uh, organizations like Atlantic Brücke, American Council on Germany. And how often if I uh, meet somebody who's like now playing a pivotal role in U.S.-German relationship in their youth, they have been either on a school exchange or have been like a 
they're kind of like an alumni of one of these organizations and that's like how they became interested in Germany. So it's, I think, cannot uh, overestimate the importance of, uh, of these exchanges. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Do you want to make any final comments about the Chicago Hamburg 30-year anniversary before I wrap things up? I'm still looking into so open call to everybody who's listening to the podcast, thinking, is there a good a cappella band from Hamburg we could invite to Chicago also to go to schools and to have some concerts and work on both German language and uh, music? So please uh, send me an email. Okay. Jason? I'm excited. 30 years is something that to be celebrated. That is a long amount of time, and I'm looking forward to many more decades of a strong and robust Hamburg-Chicago sister city relationship. All right. What fine words to end. Thank you very much, Jason. And as for me, I just want everyone to remember that over the next year, there will be 29 additional episodes which focus on the history and culture of Chicago, the connections between Chicago and Hamburg, and the connections in general between the United States and Germany. So. Once more, thank you very much, Michel Ahrens, General Consul for Germany and Chicago. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Andy. Jason Chu, Consul General for the United States in Hamburg and Northern Germany. Jason, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. All right. And to everyone, happy 30-year anniversary for the Chicago-Hamburg sister city relationship. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support German-American friendship, as well as the Chicago-Hamburg sister city relationship, why don't you visit us at our website, americancentrum.de, where you can become a member and donate. The American Centrum is a nonpartisan, not-for-profit institution dedicated to strengthening the transatlantic relationship. The views and opinions expressed in the episode are those of the guests or the host, not the American Centrum. We take our nonpartisan mission seriously. Therefore, we do not take any institutional positions on politics or policy. Learn more about us, become a member, and donate at americancentrum.de. Thanks for listening.